Welcome to the Unfair Advantage podcast, where we will explore the unique experiences, skills, and abilities high performers bring to bear in their field. In each episode, we will unpack the guest's expertise and insights to help all of us develop our own unfair advantage. Welcome back to the Unfair Advantage podcast. I am so excited today to be joined by Mike Koska, former NHL player, now mental performance consultant and all things culture expert. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited you're here. You know, could you start by maybe briefly giving us your background? Like, tell us your journey as a professional athlete, because I think you've, you've been through some pretty unique experiences there. Um, and then let's jump into your expertise. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep this as concise as possible. My uh, my hockey DB is probably longer than a CVS receipt for all those Americans out there. They know what I'm talking about, <laughs> the scrolls that you get at the pharmacy. Um, but yeah, I grew up just outside of Toronto in Ajax, grew up playing hockey and, and golf competitively um, from, I don't know, as, as early as I can remember, especially hockey. And then... To kind of fast forward, uh, when hockey got a bit more competitive around 14, 15, as people know in the hockey world, at least that's kind of like leading up to in Ontario, at least the OHL draft. Um, I was kind of at a crossroads with hockey and golf and I love team sport. Uh, and so decided to pursue hockey. And that was kind of at the time when people were actually starting to train in the summers. So uh, I couldn't just if I wanted to pursue it and, and maybe try to, to make something out of it, I, I, I stuck with hockey. So I ended up going undrafted to the OHL, uh, played junior hockey in my hometown in Ajax, and then in Aurora, I uh, got a scholarship to UMass Amherst. So went there for four years, uh, was undrafted to the NHL, and then uh, signed as a free agent with the Buffalo Sabres organization uh, after my senior year at UMass. So that started what was a 10-year career, uh, playing for 15 teams. Um, definitely, yeah, definitely a grind. Um, played for nine AHL teams, ended up playing for, had a cup of coffee with, with five NHL teams and then finished in Sweden. <clears throat> so uh, pretty cool experience. There's a lot of still unpacking. It's been four years since I retired, but uh it's always interesting looking back on some of the highlights like I got to play my first NHL game as a 27 year old playing for the Leafs right after the lockout Leafs Habs Hockey Night in Canada like can't really write it much better um after playing about 300 games in the minors without a sniff so that was definitely one of my highlights and was also lucky enough to play for uh, Tampa's organization a couple times. I played with uh, with them in Norfolk those early days, or actually Norfolk, Norfolk. They'll uh, they'll kill me if they hear me say it wrong. <laughs> uh, that was John Cooper's second year coaching in the American League. We had a really good young team with guys like Tyler Johnson, Corey Conacher, Andre Palat. Um, the list goes on. So that was you know, knowing that we're kind of framing this around culture, that was a lot of my education uh, around how to do it the right way. Um, there were definitely other teams that I played on that got a lot of the parts right, but I was able to go back to Tampa a few years later and, and play in Tampa uh, under John Cooper again. And uh, just everything I learned from how he and the organization operated um, still to this day, that's kind of my gold standard. And since retiring, I went back to, I did my undergrad in, uh, in psychology. So I had my undergrad 
um, on the on the other side of retirement and went back to school. My my wife and I moved to Ottawa. I did my master's in applied sports psychology at U Ottawa. Now working as a mental performance consultant, so working with athletes, teams, uh, business leaders, and professionals, helping groups build culture, um, but also optimize performance and well-being uh, within that space. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you for walking us through the journey. I want to pick up on somewhere you sort of glazed over a little bit. Um, I want to hear about, you know, this culture where you you sort of cut your teeth and felt like you really figured out like this is a good culture. This is sort of how it's done right. I'm wondering if from a player's perspective, you could share what some of those features were that made it a good culture. The thing that stands out the most and sounds so simple um, and obvious, but we were just all treated like humans. You know, the interactions with staff, with the other t- teammates, like teammates, it's always easy because you're dumped into a room and, you know, it's kind of your brothers for the year. Um, those groups vary in terms of connect- connectedness, but a lot of that depends on the people they bring in and also what they do to cultivate that. So I would just say from a stat, like especially being someone that was always on the bubble of making it to the next level, um, you're always on edge. You're always kind of looking over your shoulder. You're you're just trying to make sure that you don't give them any reason to say no. And they just they were able to create, I guess now looking back and having studied this this space a bit more, to create psychological safety. Um and just allow us to be human. Like you walk by John Cooper and you know, I had plenty of coaches I walk by and they would ignore me. And I'd be like, well, you're an asshole <laughs> like, or you just don't have the ability to communicate as like they can't see me as player and person as, as if we're different things and um, one of his one of Coop's strengths is just being able to be himself and allow people to be themselves because that's where you're gonna <laughs> who else are you being if you're not being yourself that's awesome well so I mean you're hitting on something that I think is super interesting which is this like how the small moments matter, right? That these things that maybe, you know, on the staff side, we kind of take for granted, like, you know, oh, it feels busy. I'm walking to a meeting and maybe I don't say hi, but, you know, to someone in the position of a player, that that actually feels like notable and impactful. And obviously there's some cool research on the impact of like power dynamics and how the more we rise up in organization, the less we're tuned into the needs of people who are um, operating at lower levels of the organization. And so this kind of like, speaks to some of that dynamic I guess contrast this culture that's really good with me with you know one of the cultures that maybe wasn't so good right what were some of the features of of that culture without naming names of course um yeah don't worry I won't I won't (laughs) yeah that, that you feel like you know they they got this wrong uh to package it simply I'd say fear guilt shame those those three components were were just always there so to provide like examples I guess shame would be like if you make a mistake you're getting embarrassed in front of your teammates in video or maybe being reamed out in a way that's not educating you on getting better it's the coach justifying their emotion that they're pissed off that who knows what um, hopefully it's actually the mistake <laughs> but um, I guess attacking the person not the problem and doing it in a way that's creating embarrassment and shame you know and that's how they would get their sense of control putting people down to to give them authority 
that's at least how it seemed to me. Uh, the fear piece ties in pretty similarly, just around like, if you're making mistakes, like, I don't know how many coaches told me, hey, just go out and don't make any mistakes tonight. And I'm like, and this is in the NHL. <laughs> like this is a, I'm like, okay, thanks. Like, you're gonna tell me I should be confident too? Like, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so now I'm entering into a peak performance moment being framed or with this framing of don't make a mistake. It's like golfing and being like, don't hit it in the water. I don't need to tell you how that doesn't work. <laughs> but, um, and I get what the message they're telling me is like, yes, I need to be rock solid, but even just the language around it and what they're creating more fear and pressure in a situation that they actually, in my opinion, their role should be to remove that because at a high level, there's already a lot of that present. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know what's really interesting to me about that example specifically now having worked with high performers for several years is that's not an uncommon message. This idea of don't don't make any mistakes or you know go out there and and you know like do well but don't screw it up kind of thing. And yeah. what I've heard from players, and I'm curious if, if this is true for you, is at a certain point it sort of becomes like it illustrates very clearly that this person likely hasn't performed at the level that you're currently performing at. In other words, it highlights that this coach maybe wasn't, you know, a super successful NHL player, NBA player, NFL player, right? It's like, if you really knew what it took to go out there and not make any mistakes, you would know that was pretty much impossible, right? Because you're operating with some of the best athletes in the world who are all talented, in a dynamic environment and mistakes are sort of an inevitable part of, of human performance. I'm curious, like, I guess from your perspective, you know, having those conversations, you're talking about some of the psychological ramifications. I'm wondering if you could kind of talk about the long-term ramifications of those kinds of interactions for you as a player. Just frustration of the stupidity, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> like, especially with coaches that played. Right. Like that would be like such a common comment when a coach is just they're there's they're not connecting to what's real in the moment. And guys would be like, they played. Like they played. How do they not like and like if you just put yourself back in that position, right? Like why are you why would you communicate that? Like was that how you would how did you perform when someone said that to you? Not well. Why the hell are you doing it? However, on the flip side, now that I've had an opportunity to actually be a staff member for the first time and kind of see things from the other side, uh, so to speak, I now have a greater appreciation for how crazy of a role it is to be a head coach at any level. And just chatting with a buddy the other day um, <laughs> who works in this space as well, I was like, it, it's as if like, can you imagine having to have 10 critical conversations with your partner a day? Like, that idea is, it's like, you're like, I'd be dead. <laughs> and so what do you do, right? Because that's what a coach does, right? There's all oh, there's critical, they're trying to prioritize, they're juggling a bunch of balls, they're trying to delegate to people they trust. And what ends up happening is they avoid seven of them. And being on the receiving end of one of those seven was often like, you're, you're the guy that's out of the lineup and they don't tell you that you're not playing or they don't tell you why. 
there'd be games where I showed up at the game and I just have like, I don't know how to prep for the whole day. Am I playing? Am I not? And I get there to see if my Jersey's hanging in my stall and it's not. And you're like, okay, well, it would be nice to have known that during the day. Cause I didn't know, like, should I punch the gas in the morning, get a good workout in if I'm not going to be playing? Should I, can I rest and not be stressed out the entire day so that I can actually recover? And can I get some feedback on what I could do? You know, even if, and the hardest part is usually sometimes there's no reason right like there's no reason you're not in it's just like there is a reason but it's not anything about your game they just either they're shaking it up or look those decisions between the who's the fifth and sixth defenseman or sixth and seventh are like often a coin toss so if they don't have anything to tell you other than you're out at least just say you're out yeah <laughs> right? yeah well, you know, I, I admire and, and resonate with the compassion you're expressing for being a head coach. Like it's, I mean, certainly the rule has evolved to be like, you know, you're supposed to be a jack of all trades, master of several kind of thing. And it, it's very, very taxing. But I also hear, you know, you saying something that I think is, is true at a lot of places, which is, you know, there does tend to be a tendency to run away from these difficult conversations or these critical moments, perhaps because they're having a lot of them. Uh, or perhaps because they're trying to maintain a relationship. And one of the things that's that's always resonated with me is the idea that clarity is kindness. And, you know, people feel like giving bad news or delivering bad news is somehow going to be, you know, a fracturing of the relationship. But reality is like the bad news is not about you as a person, right? It's this problem that exists that the two of us have to solve together, right? How do we get you to where you want to be versus I can't help you, Mike, like you're just not going to play, right? And that's obviously not what anyone got into coaching for. And so mm -hmm. you, you alluded to this now kind of being on the other side, working with a staff. What are you doing in your role now to help create this culture that facilitates peak performance? And even before I go there, I think just to close the loop on what you're saying, I think most people don't have that conversation because they're afraid of it. I don't think they're afraid of fracturing relationships. I think they're just afraid of the discomfort of the moment. And I think that's from at least what I've seen in my experience is often it's either lack of awareness and it's just like, they just don't know, or it's not on their radar because they've got a lot on the go or they're just not very aware of what it's, what that conversation could mean to the other party. Or I don't want to have that conversation because it's going to suck and they could be right or wrong but I think we've all entered into those conversations where we psych ourselves up for a few days because we have to talk to a superior maybe or someone. And then we end up having the conversation. We go, oh, you know what? It actually went pretty well. <laughs> and then clarity comes. And then the pressure of running that in your head the entire time is, is, is relieved a bit. And then you can kind of move forward with, with a clearer mind. Um, I just want to mention that because it's just something I, I experienced so much sure. and still still do um and for any leader out there I just say like you're actually creating more problems by not having the conversation you're leaving a conflict or something unresolved and that's actually just going to add up and be more energy in the long run likely um bit of the ripping of the band-aid but sometimes you just don't have capacity or maybe there's other things on the go I get there's a practicality to it as well um Anyway, um, in terms of what you were saying around like what I'm doing now to, to support teams and athletes, I mean, it ties right into what we're saying. A huge part is communication. 
like what's not being said that needs to be said because when everyone all the players are already going to bitch about the coach <laughs> it's just going to happen right like that happens even with the best of coaches but are you venting or are you complaining right and for me the difference is like venting is getting something off your chest to then find some sort of solution complaining is just throwing your trash on an already burning fire and throwing some gas on the people around you while you're at it <laughs> and a big thing i try to do is just help people because i've I continue to have to learn how to communicate. Like it's one of the, we're terrible at it as humans. And it's something that I, through playing on so many different teams, one of the positive things that came out of that is I had a lot of reps in critical moments of being able to have, yeah, conversations with different types of people and understanding the dynamics or how to kind of navigate that space. And so a big thing that I do with teams now is, one, helping people build self-awareness for starters. So they're even understanding who they are, and, you know, their makeup and their strengths and, and deficiencies, and then help them commute. Oftentimes, most stress, most stress, a lot of stress that comes uh, to athletes and, and staff is usually about something that's on their mind that's being, that's not spoken. And if that's taking up more bandwidth than you realize, because you're not aware of it, you know, the analogy I usually use is like, it's like having apps running in the back of your phone, right? If you've got like the app of like a critical conversation that I need to have, or an app of someone that's frustrating you because you're hearing that like back channel conversations that are being had, you've got another app of something else, right? And those are all there running. They're slowly zapping your battery. And if you're not choosing to swipe them away by going towards it, they're not going away. <laughs> So helping people build that self-awareness and even having a sounding board for people to be like, Hey, is there, is there a conversation that you're looking to have with the coach or with one of your athletes that you're just not sure how to approach it, you know? And usually people know how to, they just want to like talk it out a little bit, understand the emotion behind it so that you can separate emotion from the situation as much as possible and understand what the, the crux of the issue is. But just talking it out and then they go and they have the conversation and almost every time they're like, yeah, it actually went really well. And it's like, okay, so all the fears that you had going into it and then it's good. You get those reps of having those conversations. You get better at it, managing your own emotion going into it, managing your emotion when you're in it, if it was to get heated or whatever. And the teams that are able to do that and create psychologically uh, safe environments so that critical information can be shared as quickly as possible so that you can learn, grow, evolve. That's really how I see the role. And then there's all the mental performance piece around like, you know, little tools and skills and strategies. But so much of it is like, if you can build this, at least for me, it was a brotherhood of like a family where you're supported by each other and you're all working to grow together. You don't even need me. <laughs> like, and that's you know that's kind of the way I see it is the closer and more cohesive I can help facilitate situations create the environment um, and just help people become closer and closer to being in a growth mindset I'll take a hustler who, who wants to learn over a talented 
arrogant person any day. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I, I like the really like the app metaphor on the phone. I hadn't heard that one before, but it resonates a lot with how I think about optimizing energy for peak performance and the way people are sort of constantly trying to figure out where to expend and save energy and how that is actually a very taxing process. We've got a few minutes left. You've shared a bunch of really kind of cool insights from your experience as a player and what worked for you. If you could imagine creating your own culture, right? You were starting a program from scratch, Ted Lasso style. You get hired <laughs> and you're taking over. Like, what are the kind of core pillars of the culture you'd create knowing what you know as a player and now as a mental performance consultant? I'd say hustle. Like you gotta work, you gotta learn how to work smart, but you like you want to be the best. <laughs> you gotta know how to work people. When everything's on the line, you have to have trained so that that doesn't slip in that moment. Because one of my favorite quotes is, "You don't rise to the occasion; you fall to the level of your systems." And if you're not prepared for that moment, you're gonna when pressure hits, you'll be where you're at. You're not gonna magically just like people see this romantic view of the Hollywood version of, oh, you rose to the, it's like, no, you're training in the dark for a long time and no one knew what was going on. So for me, yeah, you got to hustle. Integrity, say what you mean and follow through on it, right? Be honest and like, no bullshit. It's a waste of time. And if you're not able to not do that, learn, right? Like we're open to, to helping you communicate those things so that when you are having conversations, critical information is passed and you're doing it in a respectful way. Um, fun is a huge part of that. Like so much fun is zapped out of sports. Like I'm just starting to be able to watch hockey again. It's been four years since I stopped. It was just not fun, like for a lot of it. And, and, and I think a lot of people, a lot of like high performing or even coaches, they're afraid that if they're having fun, they're gonna lose their edge. But if you don't enjoy what you're doing, like, yeah, it's hard, hard work. So if you're not infusing it with some like humanity and enjoyment, who's going to want to show up to that? And if every day, cumulatively, people are showing up being miserable, you're going to get a miserable product probably. And you might still win, but then people will be broken. <laughs> and then it's more of a perspective piece of like, what are you actually trying to accomplish here? Right? Are you trying to win at all costs? And that's the tricky part because if coaches don't win, they don't have a job. And that's where I see that the fear of like not, not having as much fun because they're afraid they're going to lose their edge. Yes, I, I want to spend the last couple minutes we have on, on this point because I think this is one of the sort of newly insidious aspects of sports that's been like exponentially growing in the last several years right there's always been a pressure to win and kind of demand but then obviously as like the business model of sport evolves and things are worth more college programs are worth more like now you're seeing college football coaches get paid 10 to 20 million dollars to go away basically right yeah. and yeah. it's after you know years of success yeah. a little bit of a rocky start and it, it's sort of like it takes, it, it takes the environment and puts these constraints on it where it's almost impossible to value anything other than winning. 
because as the coach, you're just operating in this constant state of fear, right? And even if you're getting paid well to go away, like every coach that I've worked with, the coaches I know, they want to they want to be on the sideline. It, it doesn't matter that they got paid or not. It matters to them that they're doing what they do. And it makes it worse for the players. And then that's where, you know, people like me or you come in and are now offering support around these really negative sport experiences because it starts from this high level, you know, got to deliver, got to win and got to, you know, make it happen yesterday kind of thing. If you, you know, could, could sort of change anything about that sport culture, like what, what lever would you pull, right? Would you give coaches longer runway? Would you reevaluate the role of sport in society it's kind of like a big existential question but <laughs> you, you've worked in enough varied and dynamic roles that i'm just curious what your take would be yeah like this is i i don't think it's like the same question about politics right like you can't run on a platform of education because you've got four years <laughs> at best <laughs> so if you're if you're saying we're going to educate our our future which is arguably probably one of the most important things you could invest in people are gonna be like well we're not going to see that for 15 20 years so like you know and similar and i just make that comparison because similar like say a coach or a gm has three years let's say give them the benefit of the doubt <laughs> and uh and they're gonna get fired like i don't i you're gonna get fired i think john cooper is the only coach i know that hasn't gotten fired yet and you know he, he and I crack about that. It was like, <laughs> you know, he goes, I'm still a coach in the system, <laughs> right? That's kind of the nature of it. But it's this idea in corporate world too. It's like top down, they go, we need to hit numbers. We need numbers. And it starts removing the humanity from the situation because then everyone gets on winning, whatever winning means to you. And then if the only message is, hey, if you don't win, you don't have a job then you're not, if you don't have the perspective to understand how to do that over a long period of time, but the other part is you might not have a long period of time. So you can't even focus on these, like you can slowly build a culture while you're, but you have to win yesterday. <laughs> so I think the biggest part I would just say in general is like, and we're seeing it in the world now that the great resignation and everything has happened since COVID because people were forced to kind of reassess where they're at is humanity can't be forgotten in this mode, the most connected world we live in. We're so disconnected. And I know that's, you know, it's almost cliche at this point, but all anyone wants is to belong <laughs> like, and to be around people where they feel cared about and loved and push towards something that they're, that that's meaningful to them. And we have to remember that we're all friggin' humans still doing these jobs. Like companies, organizations aren't making decisions. People are making decisions across the board. And if we're too stuck on the bottom line, then that's a top-down issue in terms of communication. Cause you still have to hit the numbers, but it's just like in a hockey game, a coach saying to me, like, he needs me to minimize my mistakes. I get that. But there's a difference in messaging of like, if you make a mistake, you're not going to be here tomorrow versus hey we believe in you go out there and like let's get after it but it's trust <laughs> right and they don't control the outcome neither do i you can influence it but you don't control it when people start feeling like they lose control they they hold on tighter and 
it only gets worse. My, I couldn't have imagined a better way to wrap, man. Thank you for <laughs> unpacking that for us. And, and I, yeah, I love your perspective on like keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is people, right? It's the people performing. It's the people doing the work. It's the people delivering results. And as soon as you, you know, confuse the map for the territory kind of thing. You, yeah. you miss you miss your main opportunity. Mike, this has been incredible. Where can people find out more about you or your work? Where can we learn about you, follow along, social, anything like that? Uh, I'm not too active. Like, I'm on LinkedIn, um, I guess. Like, I don't even have a website. Honestly, I quietly like to do my work and then just connect with good people. So if I would say if anyone's curious, like, send me a note on LinkedIn. I'm half, I'm always open to I, I love learning from different people and connecting to good ones so um if anyone wants to reach out they can reach me there uh or at my email mike at coscaperformance.com awesome uh, mike thanks for joining me thank you appreciate it man thank you for listening to this episode of the unfair advantage podcast you can learn more about the work we're doing helping high performers develop their own unfair advantage at our substack at unfairadv.substack.com.